Hello, Internet friend. I'm David Ravel, and this is ValueSide for Wednesday, March the 1st. For all of our articles and podcasts, visit valueside.com. Today, Charitable Foundations, The Power Behind the Throne, Part 1. They are among the most powerful and influential organizations in our society, exercising immense control over the attitudes and sometimes behavior of millions. They are the charitable foundations that we've all come to know so well. Watch public broadcasting at any time of the day, and you're likely to see a small reference to the shows at the show's end to the John D. and Catherine P. MacArthur Foundation, a foundation that has chosen to finance much of the programming on our public broadcasting network. It's becoming an ever more popular way for the super wealthy to provide funding for their favorite worthy cause. For the very elite, it's also a shrewd way to promote their social restructuring. And that's the point. For many of these ultra-rich, it seems that the Foundation's first objective is to promote societal change, molding the country into one they feel is the best. Only secondarily does the benefit in granting the financial gift come into play. Now, this is an important distinction, and it impacts us all. Often I'll hear the comment that such and such foundation must be acting in our best interest, because after all, charitable foundations are designed to do good. As much as I wish that were the case, it is simply not. There are no such provisions in most of the charities organization documents, and there is no need to include them. After all, as most attorneys will say, good is such a nebulous term, defined differently by different people. Our only definition for a charitable foundation comes from the tax code. Anyone wanting to begin a charity must adhere to Section 501c3 of the code, the basic premise of which is that all funds collected by the charity or the foundation must be dispersed to the beneficiaries. For instance, If you wanted to start a foundation to fund your local Little League baseball team, the funds collected have to go to the Little League and not end up in your pocket. Although you may retain a reasonable income to support your fees and expenses in operating your Little League foundation. As you can see with this structure, there's no real provision for good. Whether your Little League team reflects a particular set of values, being sportsmanlike for instance, or never exhibiting any antisocial behavior, is not part of the equation. Good is simply left out. Collect the donations and distribute them to your foundation's beneficiaries, and you'll have a foundation that will be accepted by all the regulators. Now, the other distinguishing characteristic of a charitable foundation is that they are tax-exempt. They don't pay taxes at all. This can come in very handy when you need to purchase something for the foundation. I remember buying 14 cases of wine for a foundation reception and being delighted at the discount when the sales tax is not added into the cost. But the cost of wine is not the only place that tax-exempt status applies. The Gates Foundation, that's the charitable foundation of Bill and Melinda Gates, really pushes that tax-exempt status. Each year, the Gates Foundation provides their complete financial report, and you can find it at gatesfoundation.org. The report includes the audited financial, as well as their tax return. A return, incidentally, 
that last year ran to 1,300 pages. First, a little background. The income for a foundation comes from the donations of their patrons. Often these donations are made in the forms of stocks or bonds, but depending on the foundation's rules, a donation can be made in any form of real property. You may, for instance, donate an old automobile, a boat, or even a piece of real estate. The foundation then takes that donation and sells it, using the funds for the foundation's primary mission. From an accounting point of view, the cost basis for the foundation for that donation is zero, and the gain on its sale is 100%. So in the last reported year, the Gates Foundation took in one-half billion in these types of donations. And the tax they owed? <laughs> You're right, zero. From the donor's perspective, this means that all of their donation will go for the benefit of the charity. From an economic perspective, this provides the foundation with an incredible financial advantage over any taxable firm that would compete with them. Yes, that means that the public broadcasting system, to the degree that it's tax-exempt, has a tremendous financial advantage over the for-profit networks NBC, ABC, and CBS. So the next time someone talks about a charitable foundation, remember these two overriding characteristics. First, there is very little constraint on what a foundation may or may not do. Of course, criminal activity is outlawed, as it is for all of us. But other than an outright crime, the scope for a foundation is very broad. And secondly, foundations, when they qualify under IRS Section 501c3, are tax-exempt giving them a tremendous financial advantage over all the other for-profit firms. Next, we'll examine just how some of the more powerful foundations exercise their influence over our country. And that's the value side for Wednesday, March 1st. For all of our articles and podcasts, visit valueside.com. I'm David Ravel. ValueSide is independently written and researched. The views expressed are strictly my own.